0: hi james ben how are you i was gonna say angsty but i feel like i said angsty a few episodes ago and i'm 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 worried about reusing it but i do i, I do feel angsty i i don't i don't feel like there's anything if that's how you feel then it's better to let it out than keep it in <laughs> we will get to my therapy session momentarily but let me quickly thank mailchimp who's sponsoring this week as they do every week uh with mailchimp you can find your people I like that. I like this tagline. Uh, you need more than one channel to reach every audience. With MailChimp's integrated Facebook advertising, you can find new customers and reconnect with others. MailChimp, a whole host of tools, not just email. Our thanks to them for sponsoring Exponent, as they do every week. Awesome. Yes. Thank you, guys. So, James, I, I, I kind of want to talk about myself for, for a second. Like, okay, let's do it with 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 a, with a you know few, few ten thousand of our of our posts. <laughs> why not and come join us, pull up a chair so it's been interesting because there's like what what happened, what, what happened this week there was amazon echo stuff which was which is which interesting I haven't covered it yet, but i will there was um interesting IPO with Roku, which touches on some aspects about aggregation theory. Uh, I wrote about that in the context of Netflix and the conservation of attractive profits and all those things all work together. Uh, uh, There is the Russia stuff with Facebook and now Twitter. There has been lots of stuff with Uber being banned, being banned in London. And all all these things are, it's interesting because I think about like, what are we, what are we going to podcast about? And usually we podcast about whatever I wrote about in the, in the free weekly article, but this week was kind of a as pretty clear, was a different kind of weekly article. It was like, mm. I'm putting this out here. It's this, it, it was really sort of a reflection of some of the stuff we talked about in last week's exponent. Right. Like, uh, I've evolved my thinking on, on aggregation theory or fleshed it out. Is probably a better way to, way, way to put it. Cause I think the, I actually went back and read the original aggregation theory article. It It, it holds up, Pretty well, I think, especially because that one gets more to the causal changes about about what how these markets change. Where mm-hmm. some aspect of the market becomes digitized, where Netflix is always a great example here. Once time became digitized and commoditized, that that unbundled everything. Right, it, it went away from bundling the programming of a channel to content acquisition. What got bundled instead was customer controlling the customer and content acquisition. So there was a there was that shift in the value chain of integration in that I think we're seeing that play out and it's a longer process there than other industries for sure. but but that sort of causal mechanism where you know Airbnb was another example where Airbnb, Airbnb – lots b of Bs. <laughs> where where Airbnb commoditized trust, you know, in sort of like the eBay model, eBay is kind of the, the granddaddy of this, mm. where you would actually do a transaction with someone or in the case of Airbnb actually stay in someone else's house because of reputation and, and and reviews and and all those sorts of things and once you take away that thing that most people didn't think could be digitized the value chain reflows and reorganizes itself and and so in that respect the, the original Aggregation theory article holds up really well but there's all these questions about like why if Netflix and Google are both aggregators they yet they seem very different and is there what are the differences what defines them mm-hmm. and I thought it was useful after our podcast just put those down like in it, it, no there's not most checkery articles have like a, a they're tied to a current news event and there's sort of an overarching nar- narrative and stuff like that. This wasn't It was like, oh, wait, here, I'm just going to make sort of a taxonomy so I can reference it in the future
1: yeah, and I think the canonical approach that you took was super helpful. It was really cool to see all these things laid out. I mean, I came away from last week's conversation around this really excited because it took something i i think it it just added a degree of clarity and a way of approaching this problem you now have a framework you like think about it from the perspective of consumers you think about it from the perspective of suppliers and then you think about it from the perspective of advertisers and the more of those you get with that frictionless experience where they're having to come on the platform because you've got the flywheel going like it it made so much sense and having an article that is a canonical reference that maybe gets updated or maybe you write a new one in the future as you learn more i think is a great idea
0: yeah, it, it it's, it's been kind of fun this week because I got a bunch of responses like, "Oh, what about this company? What about this company? What about that company?" And so I wrote a follow up the day it on Wednesday, like going through like seven or eight companies and and how they are or are not aggregators and where they fit in this taxonomy. And then I realized some of these like there's there's something missing here because like some companies I talked about like like Zillow, like Roku, like there's there's certain aspects of them that seem to fit in a place mm-hmm. where that that imparts much more power on their business model than actually seems to exist in the real world and what's the difference there like what, why are they different and, and and i almost feel like i could go back and rewrite that article right now and it would actually be significantly updated in a span of like 48 to 72 hours and that's that's you know that, that's kind of it's, it's a very cool thing
1: yeah it's it's theory building in action and it's kind of cool in reference to how this used to get done. I mean, the, the old way of doing this was typically I mean, it was it was business theoreticians working inside of universities and the lead time for updating this stuff was, was years sometimes, like getting books or journal articles published and many, many professors who work at business schools appreciate the case method because they could kind of do some small version of what you're describing in a intimate setting with 90 of their students potentially. What you're doing is doing it on the internet on the fly and building the building the theory and like you you put the framework out there and people see it and then they write in with examples and you you look for the anomalies and the anomalies help you refine the theory further and it gets better and better as a result.
0: Yeah, it, but but there's an aspect too where where I was writing an article I'm like. I'm like, okay, I'm writing another article about aggregation theory, which you know, it's not Shreker is not just about aggregation theory. That's that's been a a you know, I I, I ref, someone posted something on the forum about you know, why don't you cover this? I'm like, well, I actually have covered this, uh, you know, it was like six months ago or or, or a year ago. I'm like, and there's an aspect of strategy where it kind of, I try to explain. I'm like, strategy kind of goes in cycles, right? And and. And my mind is just in a certain spot, and for the last month, month and a half, people who've been reading the daily update, no, I've been spending a lot of time. Like I've really returned to this conservation of attractive profits idea, which we've talked about on the podcast, and how how value shifts. You know how, how value shifts. In a, value shifts in a chain. How value shifts in a value chain. We're trying to get at how value shifts in a value chain. Can, is, can, can I say that? Yeah, we'll let you, we'll let you <laughs> so, get away with it. And, um, and and that's just where sort of my mind is. But it, does that mean I'm gonna wrap up that all the time? No, of course not. There's other times. Like last summer, was a lot of the talk was about the sort of the the overall. Like I wrote three or four articles last summer that was all about the broad integration across our economy, about how CPG companies are tied to TV, which are tied to cars, which are tied to you know big brick you know big box retailers, and and how all that stuff is actually all it's it's one big system, and the implication of that being once. That system is kind of going to rise and fall, fall, fall together, and and in some respects, checkery is it, it, it's a reflection of where my mind is at in some respects, and and you know people are like oh I wish you would cover this, cover that, like well. <laughs> I can't go can't go everywhere all at the same time if that if that makes sense.
1: Totally. And there are things that are of interest and you're going to I mean I I feel like this is reflective of most people. There are things that are of interest and you dive deeper into them. It's not to say that you ignore everything else, but it becomes a particular fascination and you attack it and then you feel like you've got a grasp on it or you've explored it fully and then something else pops up and you you go into that. I I don't think it's unreasonable.
0: Yeah. So it's really, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast a few times, but this is sort of the, the Ben therapy aspect of, of the podcast that, and this is totally genuine. Like we didn't really sketch this out about what we're going to talk about. Like I, am I'm, I'm generally working through these things. Like what, what is trajectory? What, what is trajectory has always been a, a question that's been important to me? Cause there's some aspect of like, what's the job that I do for, for my readers, right? There's, you know, being a daily sort of read that makes you feel like you're informed with what's going on. Like, that's that's something that Stratechery does. Then again, there's other products that might do that better because they just do a bunch of links and a bunch of overview. This is all the stuff that happened yesterday where Stratechery might only talk about one thing or, mm-hmm. or, or or one or two things. Right. There's an aspect where uh, Stratechery helps you form an opinion about uh, uh, the subject of the day, not because you necessarily agree, but because it forced you to consider why you disagree or or, or, or maybe you do agree in, in, in some aspect of that. There's an aspect of, but then there's also an aspect of like, I'm I'm providing a service to my readers, but there's also an aspect where, like you know, th- this is my passion. This is like the reason when the reason I got into this is not just because I thought it was a viable business, but I'm fascinated by this stuff. I'm fascinated by business. I'm fascinated by technology. I'm fascinated by the intersection of the two and the impacts this has on society. I mean, I, I, I thought I'd be a like one of my dream jobs, like to be like an op-ed columnist for the New York Times, and like I said previously, right? And, and and there's an aspect here where. This is a different route to the same sort of end where having a point of view on the world broadly, not just necessarily on like the the latest earnings, uh, Apple earnings, wherever it might be. And sometimes I think the beauty of Shochekering, why it's so great, I feel very fortunate is it it does combine all this sort of stuff. But sometimes I also feel a bit of tension there, like where, where one's pulling more strongly than the other, if that makes sense. It does I mean the I think the
1: beautiful thing about it is in the same way that you have applied your challenging of fundamental assumptions. Uh, to different industries, uh, and, and you, the, the analysis that you do does that. You've also kind of done it to yourself and the way that you provide a service. And there, there are many traditional career paths on which you could have taken to provide, to, to do the kind of work that you do. But instead you're like, well, actually, there are a bunch of advantages for doing it on the quote lowly blog. Actually, it, it, gives you a distinct advantage
0: versus trying to take the traditional path. And that's what I think is super cool about it. Yeah, and that's sort of the, like, there's sort of an, an added post this week, uh, which is, you know, books and blogs. And part of the point was to be like, why am I writing this very dry article that I've mentioned multiple times in the past? And it's because, because I can <laughs> in some respects, but I can, in, and I mean that in a healthy way. Like I I don't have to be limited to a post that I made two years ago, you know, as well as I think it stands up like, it, it still represents my thinking in July 2015, and, and right now it's September 2017. So, so like – and it's not like I have to go and, like, get get a publisher and, and, and get a manuscript finished and, and edited and, and go, go back or issue a new edition or, or whatever it mm. might be. Like, I can literally sit down and write a post and hit publish, and that's – and you know what? Why wouldn't I want to talk about something that I've talked about previously if – what i think about it has evolved or changed i mean you're right i i i think that it's exactly what you
1: should do i think that perhaps the reason that it hasn't been done as much previously by folks who have traditionally occupied the kind of seat that you're in is because the nature of distribution like you talked about the timelines and and so on and so forth to get these things done was limited but this is this speaks to one of the advantages of the the medium that you've chosen and so if if it needs to be updated it should be and people are getting people get value from it like i i've think like based on the feedback but i personally got a bunch of value out of that conversation last week and that was pushing the theory forward and that's 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 what the game's all about because that allows us to pick up different circumstances pick up different situations apply the theory and figure out what's going on like th- th- that's 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 the re- like obviously the fun is in applying it but the real value the hard part is in developing those theories and knowing which ones to apply in the right circumstances
0: so I absolutely do think Stratechery as a as a vehicle is is better for what for what what I'm doing. And again, it's not just aggregation theory, it's stuff like publishing, the future of publishing is obviously a, a consistent topic on Stratechery. It's about like you know, the antitrust and regulation going forward is 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 been a sort of a another big topic as of late. But all these sorts of things, the the to have a sort of to have a blog where I write about it. I get immediate feedback, and mm. then can evolve it like literally the next day, or the next month, or even the next year. If you think about it, the fact that that I I'm evolving aggregation theory within a two year time frame, if I were to go back twenty years ago, and in the world of publishing, that's like lightning fast, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this this isn't. And so there's an, there's this really interesting aspect where for me as a as a Thinker or as a writer, this format is actually better. It is better because I it's it's fast and the feedback's fast. And I I believe, and this might be you know you know saying things that I want to hear. I think it's better for readers because readers get a chance to give feedback. They get immediately sort of up to date where my thinking is, and much more. It's, like, useful, hopefully, hopefully, right, because I'm right about many more things, right? It's not just one book. Like, you think about theory, usually you write the big theory book, right? And then yeah. it's on everyone who reads the theory book to apply it to their individual circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying I'm telling anyone what to do with their business, but if I write about a general sort of thinking and then apply it to, like, 10 different examples over the course of, like, a few months of daily updates... Yeah, I'm still not writing about your specific circumstance, but it, it's like, it's like practice, it's like iteration. Like, oh, I see how, oh, I, see, yeah. I see how this works, and this applies, and it makes it easier to apply it in other places. Uh, I mean,
1: this, it goes for your readers, but it's implied that it also goes for you. The feedback loops are so much tighter, and anytime you can, uh, engineer a situation where you can get tighter feedback loops you're going to improve faster like this is i mean this is one of the beautiful things that the internet has enabled in general is these this incredibly tight feedback loops where we can we can test things and see the results super fast and as a result of that you can refine theory refine work get more things out there learn faster everyone
0: benefits much more as a result and then the third piece that I think is still underappreciated is it's not just that it's better for the writer w- in developing ideas, it's not just better for the readers in having in developing the ideas and also applying the ideas. It's actually better business. At the end of the day, I'm not putting in a ton of work up front to to write a book and then hoping to get the pay the, the pay on the, on, on the backside. Like, I, it's a subscription business, is recurring revenue. The amount of revenue per customer per year is massively higher than it would be a book, right? At, at best, I could write what a book every two years, and then I'm getting I'm getting twenty dollars per per reader. But as an author, I'm getting like fifteen percent of that at best, maybe. Uh, like that's, <laughs> it's not. It's such a better, it's such a better deal, and it fits the timing. It fits the the revenues better. The timing of the revenue accruing is better, and there's an aspect like why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you do it this way? It's not just that it's I can survive as uh, as a blogger. It's actually better in every single aspect than the old way of doing things.
1: I, I mean, I would tend to agree with that. I guess, I guess the reason why uh, is there's an element of entrepreneurial. Uh, th- there's an entra- an element of being an entrepreneur that is required to go out and do what you've done. Particularly at this stage of the game, uh, it is often the case in so many different fields that people people. I mean, it's that old Steve Jobs quote: "Like people see things and they assume that the way things are is because that's." the best way to do them. And what they don't realize is that's just what somebody did and it was good enough and it stuck. And particularly with the upending of so many elements of business and the world in general, as a result of the internet, there aren't always people that are coming along try and, and, and upending those assumptions. And if you don't, it can, be, it can be easy to fall into the trap of, oh, I want to be a writer. I'm going to go work for the local newspaper, so on and so forth. And of course, like we we know that's how that's all working out. But I will also say this: at the very start, there's an element of I can I can somewhat understand because the folks who just want to write those environments are mature enough that everybody is in their respective. It's it's a modular it's it's a modular environment. They can just plug into the writing part. And as as uh, the disruption, so to speak, has come about of the internet. It's required you effectively to integrate across a different set of things than someone like you would have had to in the past. And that has obviously enabled a very different cost structure for you to for you to do it. But that that's not necessarily everyone's cup of tea. That being said, you were one of the first people to do this, and there are more and more people that are starting to do it, and people will observe this integrated model and figure out how to split it apart. And particularly with the rise of the internet and SaaS, I can see a world in which software starts to emerge to Enable people just to focus on that thing that they love, rather than having to do all the
0: nuts and bolts of like putting together a WordPress site and so on. Right. So uh, I'm getting to a point here, and I appreciate the kind words about me. But there's an aspect here. Let me just say upfront: there is an aspect here where I'm just really lucky. Like the if I had. For various reasons and and circumstances of my life, I ended up you know in, in Taiwan and teaching English. And I thought I'd go to graduate school and like I thought I'd be a professor. That's what I thought I was going to do. And the, in some respects, the fact that I was thirty, however many years old I was, and the only avenue for me to express myself to put stuff out there was the blog. And so to sit here and say I'm sort of I'm sort of great visionary and figure this out hmm. is is is. Frankly, it's not true. It's looking backwards with rose-colored glasses. Like I, I was in the right place in the right time, which I thought was the wrong place at the wrong time, and so all I had left was this sort of low-class option. Right? I wasn't going to get a book deal. I wasn't going to get a a professorship at at a, at a business school. The best I could do was a blog. And the and and the reason I say that is one, this isn't like false humility. Like it, it's true, <laughs> but two, it really is disruption. Like this is a because what what is a disruptive new technology? It's something that comes in and it's good enough for all the people that can't afford the better option, right and the immediate view is that it's not as good it like it's it just it's it's cheap right and and hmm. it's doable by people who can't break into the way that's better. but what happens it gets better. And and, Mm -hmm. and in this case, getting better means the tooling got better. Like I started all this horrific membership system based on a WordPress plugin is all, it just, I spent like so much time trying to get to work and then do customer support, all sorts of stuff. And then a year later I I use a program called memberful. They started this new company didn't exist when I started trajectory, but they started doing a membership as a service basically. And, and I've worked with them. It's been a great experience. There's like Stripe came along Stripe. I started with Stripe at the beginning, but they had just rolled out like the subscription support and, all these tools coming along where now it starts to get, it gets better. And you have the aspects of, you know, tech has always been More generous towards the blog and all these sites, but just in general, sort of being an online publication is no longer shifted from being a sort of sideshow attack on to being something that people took more seriously. Because that, why wouldn't you Mm. be online? That it became much more central to where writing existed and, and print started to fade away. And so there's this aspect where I'm certainly lucky, but but I almost. That, that was a requirement to be lucky because if I was in a position where yeah. I could do what I wanted to, I would have done the old way. I would have been a professor. I would have been writing books.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny the way that happens. And if you speak to folks that are – Um, speak to folks that start disruptive companies that go on to be successful. It's often some frustration or inability to access the existing model that causes them to start, but you're exactly right. It is a scale. It is a disrupt. It is obviously a disruption, but like it's the topic that we talked about earlier that immediacy, the feedback loops, the ability to reach uh, an audience really quickly and the ability for the audience to reach back to you really quickly. That's the scalable advantage that at, that gave it a bit of novelty at first, but as as the medium has grown, has meant that
0: it's becoming more and more and more important relative to what printed. Right, that's exactly it. Because the thing with about truly disruptive technologies, and, and, and you've made you you always hammer on this point. And it's worth it's worth saying again: is it they are actually better. They're just better on a different vector than what was possible before. And, like, and this is exactly the case like, to have these sort of feedback loops, this sort of iterative approach, and and to avoid any sort of like ossification that accidentally, but almost has to happen with a book. In part, you just have to finish a book like months before it actually comes out. And then once it comes out, you have you have books all over, sitting in bookshelves all over. Are you really gonna mm. change your opinion or change your point of view? It's a lot more, it's like even subconsciously, it almost gets harder to do that. Mm. And, and so there's all these aspects. It's, it's actually better this way, but but why, why, you say, well, it's better this way. Why don't they always do it that way? Because it wasn't possible before. Like it, it, it wasn't possible to publish in this iterative fashion before blogs came around, right? And then once blogs came around, it wasn't possible to do it there was no business model. And so the pieces had to come along, but once they came along, you look at that these old the old way of doing it. It's like why would I want to sit go back and become a a, a book writer?
1: I mean I'll, I, I will answer that somewhat as a book writer, somewhat in defense. I think there are instances where ossification is okay. If you're writing fictional stories, for example, or you're writing things where there is no risk of things going out of, um, out of date, that, that model makes sense. But that was the only model and everything had to fit into it. And, Right now, like what what this is demonstrating, what this conversation is demonstrating, is at least there are a broad number of instances where it's actually better to get directly out there to bypass what is involved in that long upfront process and and build this beautiful thing and reveal it to the world two years later and and take a much leaner approach and get things out there and iterate quickly and learn as a
0: result. And this this area is definitely one of yeah. I'm glad you clarified that because I I I put. line there saying that this isn't the case for all things and and it kind of got skipped over understandably so because I said this big whole thing about blogs (laughs) blogs over books for the sort of writing I'm doing and sort of like writing that is Tied very tied to current events, and that is iterative and ideas that are in development. I think this model is better. If you're actually re- telling a story, and that story is not just not, is not just fiction, it could be nonfiction. It could be writing about events that happen. It could be autobiographies. It could be any sorts of things. All of which have tremendous value. I mean, I read books for trajectory, you right? I, I've said before my favorite books to read are the books about the founding the founding of companies, right? The, the, you know, the founding of Amazon, the founding of Facebook, the going back like uh, Intel or IBM or these, com- because I think there's so much interesting things to understand about the world today based on knowing where things started and where they were previously. So I am by no means anti-book, but you said it perfectly. Not everything needs to be a book, but previously everything did need to be a book because that was the only option, it's it's funny, I mean
1: if um i I think there have actually been attempts to challenge it, and even as you were saying it, I was starting to think about elements where i I could contradict what I said about the stories necessarily being best when they were uh, in one big element just delivered to like one big bundle delivered, so there are a bunch of examples where stories were actually told in a manner that's almost closer to what you're describing right now with stratecaria with blogs than it was with books. So one of my favorite books um fiction books, The Count of Monte Cristo was stretched out over 139 installments. It was it was a serial and of course like the author Alexander Dumas like benefited from to some extent some of exactly the same thing that you're describing where like things were out more frequently, there was opportunity for feedback, I'm sure. I don't know that for a fact, but I imagine that there was opportunity for feedback, but it's also the the case like the 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 uh the business model was probably more aligned where he was paid more frequently to get to get um uh, to write and to get published, as opposed to trying to create this massive tome and deliver it at the end. So there have been examples of stories being told in in smaller snippets, like what you're describing, than the one big traditional book that most people think everything needs to fit into nowadays. Yeah,
0: it's a great point because that was even back pre-internet, right? In like magazines and, and stuff like that. But on the internet, that's also happened with stories. Like I think about the the Martian, the 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 science fiction novel that was that was made into a movie. That was it, he actually the author uh, Andy Weir was turned down by literary agents everywhere. He couldn't he couldn't get his book published, there so he just he just started publishing online one chapter at a time, and he was getting tons of feedback. And that's when the like and and then he put it he threw it up as they're like oh please put it as an ebook because it's easier to consume. So he put out his ebook for 99 cents, the lowest price allowed, and then it just <laughs> shot up the charts right. And then he ended up selling the book rights. For a book that you could go read online, but now is a book for like a hundred thousand dollars, and it got made to a movie, and now the guy—I mean, I'm sure he made—he's made all kinds of money by just writing something, you know. Like, and I don't know—it's there's this aspect where there's a this feedback loop. It's such—it's such a big deal. You see this a lot in music, right? It's a huge thing in like what are the sort of the two. Biggest forms of music, right? Like hip hop and and like electronic sort of music. And there's an aspect where there's a there's a sort of reflection of the culture, right? Like they're they're both mm. computers are very important in, in 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 making the sounds and and remixing stuff and putting putting different pieces together. And so th- there's an aspect I think where technology and music and the intertwining of them is something that's really interesting. If you if you kind of trace back music, there's there's an aspect of that. Mm. But another really important part of this is. The idea of of working out tracks uh, with an audience first, or working out tracks on SoundCloud or posting them online, mm. and this sort of live sort of feedback and iteration loop, and it all being public, and it's not just that it it it, it hurts. It's not like you're hurting the the thinking. The old world thinking is you're you're hurting your you're hurting your model. You're hurting your ability to to sell a CD. Right. Well, one, selling CDs is not a great business proposition anymore. But two. By having that feedback loop, you're building up a fan base, and people are Mm -hmm. passionate about you, and then they stream your stuff forever, and and they go to your concerts, and and it's just a completely different model that, yes, it doesn't make sense in the old world, but why would you use the old world model when you have this new capability? The story
1: that I often tell when realizing that podcasts were going to be a good thing was when I first arrived out in California, I, I got a car that had Sirius and I was really excited to get all the electronic music channels. And the DJs kept talking about their podcasts. And I just assumed that it was some cut rate version of what they were doing. And then I went and listened to it and I realized it was exactly the same thing. And it took me a while to figure out why would they give all this music away? Like, you are so conditioned to having to pay for it. Like, the, the, like you buy the tracks, you buy the CDs. And I realised like as i became more and more of a fan of some of these djs because i'd always download their podcasts every week i'd always listen to them that they would talk about new releases it would get you involved when those artists were touring or when the djs themselves were touring you would you would go off and you would go to the concerts it became a basis for them to create a record label because they had such a large captive audience that that emerging artists would know that if they went onto this label and then it got played on the podcast they get a whole bunch of exposure like it used to be with radio like it was the new radio
0: it's exactly the mechanism that you're talking about and it's it's exactly what you just said it's it's that direct connection with with your listeners right i mean mm-hmm. when when the when you were making a record in the 60s or 70s, like, yes, you could have a concert and and people would, would pay to visit, but there's an aspect, it was like a one-time thing. Like you visit a city like once a year or once every few years or whatever it is, to have that sort of direct connection and to have it be a regular connection that can be nourished on a regular basis. It's not just like, it's not even just once a year. It's not even just once a month. It can be on almost weekly or daily basis. It, it inspires a level of of depth in in mm. in a relationship, and you think about the think about the friends you have. What's more valuable to you? Just weaving aside money money and all that sort of stuff. What's more valuable to you? Is it your one thousand friends on Facebook that you 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 exchanged like accounts one time, and you will occasionally click like when they post a picture of their baby? Is that valuable to you, or is it valuable to you the friends that? Oh crap! It's four in the morning. We've been talking for for hours, might be. Or the the ones you can meet up in, it's like you've 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 been together every day, you know, you've been apart for a few years. Because there's there's that depth of that relationship and that connection. Like, what, what's more valuable to you? It's always going to be the depth, and
1: the crazy thing about it is that, and that that. I mean, and despite the disparagement of Facebook, and I, I certainly understand the point you're trying to make, is that it, 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 you can start to build those kinds of... As a producer of content, like you, like Above and Beyond, those DJs that I always listen to, whoever it might be, uh, the, the gentleman who wrote The Martian, like you are able to start to build that kind of personal relationship as a result of the internet. And previously, that was just impossible.
0: Right, because I'm not saying like these... Like these artists or DJs or, or 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 whoever it might be are your stay up till four in the morning friend. Like of, of course, mm. of course they're not. But relative to what they used to be, it really is a a similar change in the relationship that it used to be between be, that is between your friend and your acquaintance, right? To go mm. from being someone like oh I didn't realize so and so I an album coming out. Yeah, I'll pick that up. Mm. To being a the new album comes out and – not only do i know every song on it i know like the 13 variations of the song that are on it and and i've given all the, my time and attention and i've gone to four concerts and whatever whatever the the monetary payoff might be there's an aspect of how do you how do you create value how do you build a profitable company how do you be profitable as an artist how do you be profitable as a writer like just how do you build a profitable business and at the end of the day you want to sell something for more than it cost you to produce it, right? And you reap a profit. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? A great way to do that is to provide massive amounts of of customer value. And and you're not always going to capture all of it, right? Because there's going to be what's called the surplus, the, the the consumer surplus where the amount of value they're getting from your product is more than however much you're selling it for. And in a in a very healthy business, there is Say someone, just use numbers, say they value your product at $60, you sell it for $40, and it costs you $20. And so Mm -hmm. you're collecting a nice producer surplus, that $20. They feel great about it. They don't care that you're collecting $20 from them because they're getting an excess $20 of value. They think they're getting a great deal. Everyone's happy. It's a huge win-win. And there's this aspect where the internet enables the – everyone talks about the internet enables so much excess consumer value. Just astronomical amounts of consumer value. Like, oh, what happened to GDP and all sorts of stuff. When well, you look at it, people have access to all the world's information at any moment on their fingertips, on their wrist, right? They have, they have, they have. Connections to all the mm. friends they've ever met in their entire life. And you may say, "Oh, yeah, that's worthless." You just like their picture of their mm. baby. I didn't even know my friend had a baby twenty years ago. Right? right? I mean, we're so easy. I, I just happened to watch that Louis C.K. skit. You know, everything's amazing and always happy. But there's this aspect of the amount of consumer surplus that is generated in all aspects of our life is is overwhelming. And to say that the implication is that is that oh, the economy is going to be worse. People are not going to make money going forward. All the robots take over everything is to ignore like the amount of green space available to build companies is astronomical because there's so much consumer value. And if you as a producer can just inch up your line just a little bit, you can still make people incredibly happy. And they're in many respects even happier because they want to see you succeed. Like people, people all tell me all the time. Oh, I wish you raised your prices. Or I've people told me like I I pay for a monthly subscription because it gives you more money a year than giving you an annual subscription. It's like that's really nice of you, <laughs> but like if you think about what what would drive someone to do that? Yeah, it's that
1: relationship. And the, the on the subject of consumer surplus, it it. It makes sense in the context of these 125 episodes, the 126 now, it's it, the, the the amount that used to have to be paid that was captured in terms of or, or firms along the way that were taking a cut or that needed to take a cut before it hit the consumer was so high that it left the consumer surplus relatively low. But as you take more and more of those out, there's more value there to be captured by by the consumer effectively, like you, we're not paying for distribution anymore. And uh, of course, like if you've set up an organization or an entity or you approach things under those previous set of assumptions and you've built an organization that's predicated on those distribution, like distribution being important, uh, like the old way of distribution being important, then you're always going to struggle. But when you come at it from this new approach and you challenge the fundamental assumptions and realize that, that you're able to create a direct connection to the customer and that there are more and more of these... Internet technology tools that are enabling you to build a business model to do that, like it, the sky's the limit in terms of what it is that you you're able to you're able to produce and the people that you're able to reach because you've got an addressable
0: market of seven billion people right off the bat. And it's it's so hard though. I mean, I I feel it. like I think some of the angst I was driving at, and this has actually been very therapeutic. I I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate your your time, but there there's there's been a bit of angst where I've been like feeling that like oh. Should I write about uh, Uber or Facebook? I already wrote about them a week ago or two weeks ago, or it might be. But like the facts on the grounds change and, and I'm interested. I'm interested in how this works out. I'm I'm very interested in Facebook and its its impact on society and the regul what what's gonna happen in terms of regulation. And so when when things change materially, I, I wanna write about it because I'm interested in it. Same thing with with Uber, like when they get a new CEO or this thing happens in London, like this company and and, and all it represents for for good or or bad is is deeply interesting to me, and so I, I want to do it. I feel like, but you you get stuck in that sense of you know oh you already covered this, and you got to have a broad base of things and do that or whatever. And and like the truth is, the wonder of this world of this of this of the internet and of having such a massive audience is it rewards the pursuit of passion yeah. in a way that the old world never mm-hmm. did because you have these niches because you have you can find your tribe you can find your group of people that are interested in what you are interested in and and you know if you think about it to to, to look back in like man i really i really miss the days where everyone could be on assembly line doing the exact same thing 45 times for, for the entire day <laughs> and again I get that's fine for Ben, but I think that's fine for Ben, not in a, this isn't an anomaly and everyone else is going to shit. I I believe, and, and I'm passionate about the speaking of passion, that there's so much room here for to do all these new things and new ideas, and there's so much, i mean, so frustrated generally about this view that everything is, everything's crap. Everything's being destructed. Everyone's going to be doomed. Everyone's going to be out of job. Everyone should angel investor everyone should whatever the crackpot idea of the uh, uh, of the day is no we need to embrace and extend and allow for human ingenuity and there's so much potential there just more potential than ever ever before i mean i f- i feel like this is a uh a un- uh a, I was about
1: to say unique part of human nature but it's a common trait that happens when these changes uh when these changes occur people are people are more uh focused on what it is they're going to lose than what there is to gain i mean if you if you want to go to a root cause of disruption like that's often that's that's like pretty close to it like it's it's viewing the world through the lens of what you already have and uh the the loss aversion and how that drives behavior as opposed to recognizing that sometimes these things are lost sometimes these things are going to change and wishing for it to come back isn't going to change it but Recognizing that it's happening and that there are these opportunities that are emerging and that you can you can sit and complain about it or you can grab it by the horns. But it's gonna be one of these cases. And gosh, I mean, it's this is if if nothing else, this is the Silicon Valley crater, right? It's like fortune's gonna favor the bold. Like get out there and try these things. And it it is enabling you to go chase passions that are Otherwise, you might have – I mean, for you, you talked about being a professor. Like, think about all the the path that you would have had to have walked down of getting the PhD, of requiring a very narrow uh, contribution that you would uh, be required to make. And for some folks, that's fantastic. That's what they want to do. But, it like, given what I've seen and what uh, all the listeners have seen in these conversations and in your writing, like, that's not what interests you. And you would have been straightjacketed into that for so long. And there are so many other jobs like that where you – you assume that the way you have to do it is going up through the ranks at a traditional company. Well, actually, no, it's not. If you think you've got the chutzpah to go do it, or, or go grab a few friends and like figure out like where you are, uh, where you uh, support each other in terms of skill sets, like go do something crazy, and you you might
0: be surprised at what you're able to achieve. And almost part of the, I think, my my frustration with this sort of current environment is that there, there, it's one thing to say that the, you know, the the non tech world is is glum and the world's ending, et cetera, and, and you know, they like there's reason to believe that, like the, all these, I I mentioned before that what I really spent a lot of time on last summer is this idea that all these industries are interconnected and are all kind of <laughs> headed for headed for a rough time, and that's that's bad and that's that's worrisome, but at the same time. What, What's frustrating to me is this sort of sense in technology itself. This sort of like tech fatalism that, yeah, we're gonna make a bunch of automation. You guys are all screwed. It's like maybe we should do basic income. Maybe we should do all sorts of things. And this, this like, it, 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 it's pandering. It's coming across as we're gonna screw you guys, but we'll, we'll try to figure out a way to take care of you, so you're not totally miserable. And it's insulting and it's mm. arrogant and it's really starting to piss me off. Like I'm not mad at. People in the automotive industry, or people in the publishing industry, who are upset—their world is falling apart. Like it's—it's it's especially publishing. Like there, I can get it. I can—I can appreciate it. What I am getting pretty tired of is the tech exceptionalism that thinks the only way of the future is to build more San Francisco-based tech companies. It's ridiculous. Like the—the the way of the future is to unlock and enable human creativity and. The benefit, in some respects, of these platforms that everyone's willing to shit on because, oh, better to blame Facebook and Twitter for all our problems as opposed to taking any personal responsibility. Well, all these platforms are providing places for people to express themselves. Everyone's wants to sit around and mock people taking selfies and having Instagram accounts and, or, and, and, and where they might be or YouTube stars or, like, people – like, all these, like, jobs. It's fun to take fun of people. Guess what? They are – 50 times the entrepreneur you are because they actually created – they did not only create a new job for themselves. They created a job that never even existed Mm -hmm. in the history of the world before like five years ago. And you're sitting over here saying, look at that idiot like taking selfies. Oh, just a second.
1: I think you should leave that in.
0: Yeah, my take my my take was getting so yeah. fiery that the freaking alarm. Yeah, went. that's right. So the lock
1: broke you off <laughs> from the tear, which was pretty entertaining. But I, 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 I just want to say, like, this might be giving some folks who are listening either whiplash or cognitive dissonance because, I mean, I from the early days have been, um, I mean, a proponent of regulating Facebook and, and and thinking about the broader implications of these platforms, and I guess. Uh, to, to try and avoid the cognitive dissonance i want to place what you just said in the broader context of a theme that's probably run through exponent for quite a while which is uh, the the platforms and their ability to impact society isn't always positive and the the nature of the winner take all effects and all the stuff we've talked about uh, not not fantastic and like worthy of debate and the the discussion on regulation is probably one that's worth having but i think your point is There's a whole array of benefits that are being brought to bear by them that is getting lost in the noise because people don't like, people don't like the nature of change and it's easy to just pick on them as, as the agents of change. These are the things that are causing everything that we've held precious to be torn down when it's not the case. And not only that, they are enabling certain n- new jobs to emerge, like to be able to reach people in ways that you couldn't before. And like you said, the degree of entrepreneurship to emerge that-, that previously
0: wasn't possible. Yeah, this touches on a couple themes that we've talked about regularly in trajectory. So number one is like everything your, your strengths are your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, right? There's, there's a flip side of both. So it's very easy to see and identify the, the problems with Facebook. And, and I think, you know, we've been very, very prescient about many of these issues and it's not a surprise all of us being debated and rightly so, but in some respects, if we're going to be like contrarians, it's time for us to flip the script. Like, well, well let's not forget about mm. the good stuff because it's, you don't want to squash it. In the, in, in the process of ameliorating the, the, the bad stuff. And if you think about, if we're going to a new world that needs a new kind of economy, needs new kinds of jobs and new kinds of things, it's pretty darn important we don't squish all, 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 all that stuff's going to happen. So that, that, that's, that's yeah. number one. Number two is, is, again, I come back to arrogance, this idea that all that matters is technology, that we know best, like we as an industry. And, and it fits in this sort of like, there has to be a technical solution to everything. And and no, Technology is a tool. It is an, an, it is an enabler. I, I see – and this is a fundamental division in technology about thinking, and I clearly set myself on one side of the divide. You either have the sort of view like – to use Steve Jobs' quote, technology is a bicycle of the mind in that it superpowers humans. It makes them able to do more, able to do things in new and amazing ways, or you think it is a replacement for the human, that it, that it is going to do what we do and it's going to do it better and faster and we're going to be obsolete. And I reject that view, and I – Believe, Maybe it's a choice. Maybe I don't have the evidence for it. Maybe this is just – at the end of the day, everything comes down to there's some aspect of our belief system that is faith and a choice. And this is my choice. I believe in humans. And I think there is more evidence than people are willing to admit that actually there are ways in which the new system is better. Mm -hmm. And is it going to be messy getting there? Is there going to be lots of – lots of upheaval, is there gonna be lots of tension? There is. I and one of my very first articles in check saying, like I, I don't know if this is gonna turn out well. Taking away friction, everything might fall apart. We might have wars, we might have nations splitting up. We might have new political systems. Cause that's what happened with the Industrial Revolution. And I think this is a change on that scale. But one, it's happening, we can't stop it. So we better start stop looking backwards and start looking forward to how can we one avoid all the that bad stuff and two We avoid that by getting to the future faster. And you'd only get to the future faster if you actually (laughs) have a positive view. You need a certain sort of optimism about humans. And why not? What's the worst? I'm optimistic about humans, and we all end up in the matrix feeding the AI. And then it won't matter anyway. Let's be optimistic.
1: Yeah, I I mean – I, I, I understand the divide that you, you propose between the bicycle for, for the mind versus the replacement for. I would actually say that, uh, there's a, there's a possibility that you, you might hold both ideas in your mind at the same time. Like, yeah, there are instances where humans are going to be replaced, where there are tasks that are repetitive, that generate lots of data, where yes, that, like it is a machine will be able to do it better and will free a human up to be able to do that job. But it's that other element, which is, well, if the human is freed up, then the human can do something else. And this is the, this is what happened in the industrial revolution, right? Like, what are all these people going to do? this is where the the technology enabling creativity that wasn't previously possible kicks in and you get exactly what it was that you just described. And I I think you're right. Like, I think being aware of the possibilities for for the downsides and being cognizant, I think it's incredibly critical for the industry as a whole to do that. But to say that the responsibility is to stop at basic income, I, I mean, I was very much more in favor of this Idea before the most recent election, where this idea that you can just give people a handout and that'll be enough, but there is an element of human dignity in engaging people that 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 is required, and rather than just think about this problem as it uh, it's it's like they've jumped too quickly to the scalable solution where it's just like you know what if we just give people a cash handout then everything will be okay they'll be able to eat but no there's dignity and a whole bunch of other things going on and that is part of the reason why we're in the political situation we're in and so doing the hard work and thinking about how we can enable this
0: to happen in places outside the tech hubs is absolutely critical it's not just it's not just dignity that that's almost a I mean, not that I, I disagree, but that that's a very sort of like negative view of the situation. I w- I would argue is opportunity mm. costs. I'm interested in what new businesses will happen. I'm interested in new things being created. In in and I believe. I mean, we're both capitalists. We believe that like the 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 profit motive writ large can have positive effects mm-hmm. and. And I, I, I'm, I'm fine with, I'm fine with holding on to that because I'm interested. In what happens, strategy for all you who read strategy and enjoy it? At the end of the day. I, it came about because I was desperate because I, I I wanted to get these ideas out. I need to figure out how to do it. I need to figure out a business model to make money because I wasn't just going to get paid to in my rear end. And what drives me every day, every day, knowing I have customers who, who who give me money and are expecting a product, and I don't want them to I don't want them to leave. So I, I better work hard every day to produce something that is worthy of them paying for text on the internet, right? And I I would like to think it's a net benefit. It's obviously a benefit to me. But I would hope it's a benefit to my readers, and I hope it's a benefit to sort of the the sectors that I work in. That the ideas and and that I have that are not just mine, but that also come from that feedback loop. That that in some indirect sense are from my readers and are from the the, the broader audience and, and all that sort of stuff actually does have a positive impact, sort of broadly. And that's and that's a great thing. And the incentives that drove me here shouldn't be forgotten because they're important mm, too. Yeah, I, I was going to pick up on exactly that
1: point. Like there are elements of desperation inside many elements of society right now as to what's happening but the 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 diarist can actually be a and again not to downplay it and I realize that I'm opening myself up to criticism sitting here in San Francisco saying that but the the situations in which and I can uh, the situations in which things are most dire are when when some brilliant things come to bear, it can bring out some of the best in people and it can it is what encourages you to start to create new things. Like we've talked about this in the context of culture. Once a culture gets set, it's so hard to break it, except in the instances of emergencies or catastrophes where things are falling apart to such an extent that. You like okay. It's clear that the old way isn't working anymore. We need to find a new way, and that is that is the that is inside of this darkness that people are talking about. That is the cause for optimism,
0: right? I you know, I, I completely agree, and, and you know we've been you know I hope this is a situation where people take our work as a whole. Like we are both very strong advocates for universal health insurance, for example, because to me that is a key. There's a difference between like saying everyone should have. X amount of money versus someone shouldn't be worried about their family dying and going mm-hmm. bankrupt because they got sick, right? There, there's It's just a very – and I believe – I'm a passionate advocate of universal health coverage not simply for the human reasons, which are real, but I believe it's critical for unlocking entrepreneurship. If people don't have to worry about losing their job or giving up this crap job they don't like because they're worried about their health insurance benefits. Like tying health insurance to employment is one of the – I think it's it's deadly. It is sapping uh, the sort of entrepreneurialism that we need, and and the sort of entrepreneurs we need is not Silicon Valley startups. It's not these big companies. It's one-person businesses that are viable on the internet in a way they never were viable either. Mm-hmm. I want that person in Ohio or that person in Alabama or that person in New Mexico or that might be that is passionate about some sort of serious subject that I don't give two flips about. But you know what? There's a thousand people on the internet that do, and and they and they they're interested and they they want to be part of that community that that forms around. I mean, it's like a snowflake, right? There's there's that piece of speck of dust in the middle of a snowflake. Do you need something to form around? And someone out there on the internet, and in all these sorts of things that people care about and shit about, they're out there waiting to be that speck. But they're but but they're they're staying in some like dead end job for, for healthcare benefits. It's it's frustrating. And we, <laughs> anyhow, I was uh, I got worked up trying to defend you. So I hope you I hope you appreciate oh, it. I, <laughs> I I do. appreciate. It. I remember I, that. I would say it's saddling like we
1: talked about the desperation and the desperation being the cause for for unlocking new things that, that weren't previously possible. But this is an instance where you saddle, where you're, you're shackling people to the desperation, where they're, they have the desperation, but they're not able to leave because To to leap would require putting their family's health in jeopardy. Like they're not going to do it under those circumstances. Like, and you talked about your own experience starting up Stratecary. Like it was possible in part because there was universal healthcare in Taiwan. You, You talked about all those elements of like, you needed to get those ideas out there and building all these things, but there was this base level of infrastructure that enabled
0: you to do it. And it's important not to forget that. And I, that's not to say that may, maybe it will turn out that like, – like a universal basic income, for example, is the this, is this solution for this. I'm not saying it's not. But what I am frustrated by is the presumption that, 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 that one, that's all will take because I think that's an ignorant statement and doesn't understand the human condition. Mm. And two, I think it's a sad position to take because it is giving up the opportunity for there to be so much more. It's such a pessimistic view of humanity that I don't think is is justified by the history of, of of our species and and the way we've evolved and invented things over time. And you think about the times where where humans didn't evolve; they were times when. The only thing that mattered was like was like sustenance, right? There, 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 there. was no market. There was no ability to break out of where you were. And the fact that we have people in Silicon Valley that think that it's going to be enough just to lock people into where they are and let them sit at home and play PlayStation all day—it's in- arrogant. It's insulting, and it's it's damaging. And it's it's not just—it's just as much locked into a view of the past as all the people that they think they're criticizing, mm. because it's not—it's—it's it's a lack of imagination. It's a yeah. lack of uh, of the idea that there can be so. Th- they think they know it all. They think they know what the future is going to look like. It's going to be all this automation, all these these companies doing this X Y Z, and they can't even imagine a future of all these jobs that we don't even know what they are and what they do. But you either this is the faith question. You either believe that that humans have that in them to do so, or you don't. And I choose to be an optimist. Yeah.
1: I, I I would tend to agree, and and to be fair, to uh, there are a number of people that think about the universal basic income in the same way we think about universal healthcare. Like this is a necessary but necessary part of enabling people to do it. But the the point that you make about presumption and just assuming that that is the necessary part without going through the hard work of figuring it out, I think that's the important thing. That's the important thing to focus on.
0: Yeah, and neither of us are saying well, we want people to be like desperate and trying to put food on the table and thus inspire entrepreneurship. Like we're not. <laughs> it might be the case, and especially if we're capable, you know, to to have some sort of like basic. You, so no no one should be going hungry in America. No one should be lacking health insurance in America. Like it, we're we're well past that point. So not at all saying that some sort of extreme view here. Rather, I would frame it in a much more optimistic optimistic point i think people generally will be happier will find life better more fulfilling and it will be better for everyone around them because they'll get to enjoy the fruits of 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 what they do and maybe it ends up everyone is artists or makes does instagram selfies i mean like (laughs) it'll sort itself out like it, it always has yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I, sh- I share your
1: optimism that it will. Um, but I, I, I think the point around uh, having a higher view of human nature than that these are just. Uh, these are just mouths to feed that will have no purpose beyond consuming. Is is a pretty dim view that, uh, yeah, and particularly in in this as the tide turns on on the narrative around Silicon Valley, the the broader view that uh that it's this all knowing thing that's always beneficial, which is is starting to be questioned. I think
0: it's important to to be having these conversations and to be thinking about this stuff. Well, frankly, the tide should turn against this point of view. If that is really the Silicon Valley ad, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm like stereotyping millions of people, but if the point of view is that we're going to put everyone out of business and we're going to throw off some cash so they don't go hungry, yeah, damn you, everyone should turn against that. And, in you know, if, if whereas the Silicon Valley, broadly speaking, wants to take a much more inspirational view, which I think is justified, that creating the stage for New opportunities and new businesses, and and building the tools for that. And that's why the companies that get me really excited in Silicon Valley are, are, you know, like something like AWS. I find really exciting this idea that you can bring your business online without having to do a bunch of upfront investment. That's great. Mm. A company like Stripe is is one of my favorite companies. And you look at Stripe, and it's easy to think about Stripe. Be like, well, you know, they're making a scale margin. Is there is there really a big company there? Can they really justify the valuation? And yes, that when I put my business analysts had, you can have that discussion. But there's also a discussion where there's all kinds of new companies that can accept payments that couldn't previously. Mm-hmm. Square, another, another great example. Like, you see this a lot in the payment space where enabling stuff that wasn't yeah. possible before. And and companies that enable stuff for normal people that wasn't possible before, man, the, the, like, that's something to be genuinely excited about because that's what's going to actually have a difference in the long run. Etsy. Etsy's one of my all-time favorite companies. I barely write about it because it's not really material from a sort of analytical standpoint. But the idea of there being a marketplace where people can can sell, like, bracelets and necklaces that's like that's awesome it's awesome you used to have to go to like a a fair or something like that like someone's setting up a table and you can set that up in, in serving on the internet Incredible company. Yeah. Uh, And
1: for all the reasons we've talked about, because it's enabling people to do stuff they couldn't do before. And uh, you don't need to go, if you're in one of these industries, you don't need to go through the hoops that you've jumped through to get one of these things up, one of these stores up. Like you can
0: run it through that and it's mostly taken care of. And not, and not just that, but you have this aspect where it's possible to be a YouTube video star because YouTube reaches everyone. Mm-hmm. The nature of everyone. Oh, Google has so much power. YouTube is the only is the only option. That has a huge positive for the, the YouTube the, the YouTube video maker, right? That he can reach everyone. The fact that you know. I can write this blog. Yeah, it's great. Theoretically, everyone everyone in the internet can reach it. But how do I actually communicate to the entire world that there's that there's this random site with with a name that's hard to spell that you can they can go to? Well, social media is there. Social media lets people freely spread the word and broadcast. And the fact that everyone's on Facebook and uh, most people in tech are on Twitter that's actually a really good thing for me. Centralization is a win. I feel like we've come full circle. Like,
1: it's back to where we started. Like, this is, uh, yeah, it's it's easy to knock this, but there are serious benefits to it, and it's it's easy to lose sight of it.
0: All right, so, th- th- sorry, this has been a different podcast. It's been my therapy session. It's been a little polemical. We've probably, like, and so grant us some grace. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, like, like the... Th- some aspect of universal basic income might be the solution. Uh you know, health insurance obviously we have strong opinions about that. Uh what tech is to say that 2 million people you can distill it down to one point of view is absurd mm-hmm. and insulting. So just to be clear, this is a little bit of a like, I, I don't know, it was my therapy session. I needed like there's this I don't know, it's just been something that's been stewing in my head
1: so much recently, particularly the types of things that you're going to read on Twitter or whatever. Uh uh like there's so much negative stuff that's coming out without an appreciation of the positive stuff and i i i i think the the reality check that 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 this conversation presents which is yes there are things that have been great that have been lost but unfortunately they're not coming back but what's more there are some pretty amazing things that are unleashed as a result of that and it's it's valuable not to lose sight of it and to be optimistic about what that what what they represent i i i don't
0: i don't think there's i don't think we need to apologize too much for no, it. you know i think i think this is a bit of a reckoning for technology uh, in that technology had the luxury and maybe this is kind of the weird sort of tie in to my own sort of like anxiety feeling about the techery and writing about you know what i was writing about you know there's where we just gotta geek out and, and we as an industry and like make stuff and build companies and disrupt each other and, and, and talk about how, how how great it was. And everyone either ignored us as an industry or was like you know, it was like it was like cool, like Facebook's cool, Google's cool, like you know, my my iPhone's cool and and and, and it was it was nice. It was relaxing to be just do what you wanted to do, and everyone loved you for it. Right. And, like, certainly that's an aspect of, you know, that kind of trajectory that, that has been great for me. Like, I, I get to write about what I want, and people pay me money. It's it's amazing. And then now, feel, you know, striking is a little larger, more of an audience, feel more of a tension between people griping about, oh, you keep talking about that or doing this or whatever. And you start feeling like a little. To adjust to to being bigger and getting the sort of pushback that is inherent in that, mm. you know, it was almost for me yeah. to have this talk was very useful. Like, yes, for me to be passionate about what I do, it's okay because it, it, as long as I have you know the the core the core audience that that cares and finds value from that, it, 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 it's okay because that's the way things should work. And almost to writ that large to technology. It's like for the first time as an industry, we're having to really grapple with the impact of this. and and you know that's been a, a I believe from the beginning that, that technology will have this impact. That's certainly one of the – that's a driving reason for strategy, And, and you know, because I've always viewed strategy as a vehicle not just to talk about technology but, as I mentioned earlier, to talk about all kinds of things. Why? Because tech is affecting all kinds of things. But the implication of that is there's going to be bad effects. And I think it's been – this last bit for the industry has really been jarring in having to deal with substantial ongoing criticism that mm. is actually legitimate. It's not just people complaining because their businesses are being disrupted, right? Which not to say that's not legitimate, but in the grand scheme of things you say, well, you know, creative destruction, things are gonna get better, etc. No, it is legitimate to question what effect our social media is social media having on the political process. Mm-hmm. And is that is that a, is that a problem? It's a very legitimate question. And I think it's been hard for tech to kind of come to grips with the fact that we're used to being criticized because people are mad or upsetting their business. But no, there's actually a legitimate a legitimacy to this. But there's a, there's a piece I wrote about Twitter a, a, a few years ago about Twitter. One of Twitter's problems was the product was such a good product market mm. fit from day one. They never had to go through sort of the hard work of figuring out why their product yeah. mattered and how to articulate that to people
1: and there's some equivalent for technology right which is it's it's been so effective at doing this and particularly as i mean we've talked about how the competition has kind of come from this world of tech on tech where people didn't mind so much because these companies were making everybody's lives better but not it, not impacting industries outside of it to tech on real world and uh, and while these uh, these uh, companies are highly evolved predators in terms of business practices and whatever they've never had to think about these impacts more broadly it's always just been let's go
0: for it and now they're having to face the music that's exactly right and and i think it's critical and i guess what i was driving at in this in a sort of wildly i know this this podcast was much less sort of organized and scripted than usual but was this aspect of just like twitter In in, in Twitter is a cautionary example. Has Twitter ever really figured out what its value proposition is and how to communicate that? No, not really. (laughs) Do we want to be there as an industry? We need to be able to think about and articulate what are the positive impacts. Because if we don't, the predators are going to come in and... And and it's going to be a shame. Not just this isn't an issue. When I say this, I'm not worried about individual companies. I don't like whether earnings are up or down. It doesn't matter. Honestly, when their earnings are down, it's usually more interesting for me on Shaktakri anyway. So it's not about the 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 financial fortunes of companies. It's about my belief that the change we are encountering is inevitable, and we would be so much better off if we understand. Articulate and embrace the opportunities that are inherent in that change. Because if we don't, we could slip into a new kind of like dark ages where we're just stagnant, mm. and and that's not going to be good for anyone.
1: That feels like as good a place as any to finish up.
0: Yes, uh, our, our 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 appreciation for uh, people listening to us rant and rave and grace. Uh, if yeah. we made uh, if we were a little polemical, but. I mean, hey, it's, 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 it's passion. What can I say? Mm. Our thanks to MailChimp for sponsoring Exponent as they do every week. And I will not talk to you next week. Uh, I am going to be traveling. It's, it's actually a combination of holidays in Taiwan, the mid autumn festival and the 1010 day, which is like the, the, the independence sort of day here in Taiwan. So I'm going to take a little trip and I will not be, I will not talk to you next week. Enjoy the break and I'll speak to you the week after. All right. Sounds good. See you, mate. Bye -bye. Bye.